0: I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. In uh, the church world, I don't know if you knew this, but not every Sunday is created equal. Uh, There are different levels of Sundays in the course of a calendar year. There are regular Sundays where we still expect and believe God is going to show up and we're going to hear from him and we're going to show up in his presence and bring all we are to him. But above that, there are like, special sundays like playoff caliber uh sundays that tends to kind of get a little bit more play a little bit more um attention but on top of those there are like super bowl major sundays um throughout the course of the year and uh typically we think of two of those major super bowl sundays easter super bowl sunday christmas major sunday and um Those are Sundays in which we really get to focus and emphasize and amplify uh, events that are key in our church's history. And uh, it really helps to emphasize who we've been called to be and what we've been called to be about as a church. Anyway, I bring that up because here at Mission Point, you may not have known this, but maybe you did. We have a third major Sunday, Orphan Sunday. Which we got to experience last Sunday. That is right up there for us as a church with Easter and christmas because it's a sunday where we get to remember who it is we believe god has called us to be as a church and what we believe god has called us to be about as a church it is a major sunday because we understand if we get a bunch of other things right but we miss god's heartbeat to care for the vulnerable child we just put the miss in mission as far as we are concerned and um The reason I say that is because Orphan Sunday, again, was last Sunday. But for us, this is such a a major Sunday, a major emphasis for our church. And what's the danger with some of these major Super Bowl Sundays is we tend to treat them like events, right? And so once the Sunday is over, we're like, oh my goodness, yes, let's move on. But those Sundays are major because they really emphasize the things that we ought to be focusing on for the rest of the year. It's not just something that happened and then it's done. It colors the rest of who we are and how we live as a church. And that's true for us about Orphan Sunday, which is part of the reason why we are kind of hijacking that conversation and carrying it on for at least a couple of weeks. Because we believe that this is something that ought to matter uh, to us and ought to mark who we are as a church, so um, if you were here with us last week, we started uh, a conversation. In fact, we started looking at a story that we believe speaks uh, to what God is saying to us as a church in this next season of our um, of our lives. But we started looking at a story in Acts chapter three. But before that, I just want to to read a a verse we looked at together uh, last week as a way of reminder and as a way of kind of transitioning back into this story we've been looking at but james chapter 1 verse 27 here's what it says it says religion that god our father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress There is a kind of church, there is a kind of faith that God considers genuine and authentic. And it is this, to look after orphans and widows. To look after the most vulnerable populations in our world. And in our mind, a child is the most vulnerable of all people. But we started looking at a story that we believe, um, man, just speaks to where we are as a church and and where we believe we are being called to go. Um, In Acts chapter 3, we're going to jump back into the story um, by way of review. And then we're going to finish this story out together. Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, we'll have the verses up here on the screen for you to follow along. But here's what it says. One day... Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. One day, it says, right? Peter and John, uh, 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 these two close followers of Jesus Christ, are doing what they typically did um, on an ordinary day. They are just having the most ordinary of days, which is one of the reasons the author, Luke, starts by saying it was just one day. That's all there was to it. But... As we saw last week, God quite enjoys disguising extraordinary opportunities as ordinary days if we are paying attention. It says in verse 2, Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter... He asked them for money. So again, Peter and John are just having an ordinary day, and they are doing what they typically do. And at this particular point in time, well, they are going to the temple because that's what's on the schedule. They are going at three in the afternoon because it is time to go and pray. They are going through the motions of their daily routine, their daily schedule. And as they're going about their daily thing and doing what they typically did, keeping their typical schedule, they are interrupted by this broken Guy, uh, a man who Luke says was born without the ability um, to walk. He was born without the ability to put weight on his ankles, had never stood a day in his life, had never walked a step in his. Life. A man who would have been considered in that culture just a kind of an inconvenience because you can't walk, you can't work. If you can't work, what value do you even bring to our community? So it would have been thought as as just a general inconvenience. He would have been thought of as um, just insignificant in many ways in that culture. And now to add to that, he is interrupting Peter and John as they're kind of being spiritual, going about this schedule on their way to... uh, prayer meeting and he asks them for money, just interrupts them to ask them for money. But like we saw last week, God quite enjoys hiding holy invitations in what might feel like an unwanted interruption if we are paying attention. And I don't think it's any coincidence that this place where this guy hang out was a gate called beautiful. Because I think heaven tends to view beautiful those places where the people of Jesus and the brokenness of our world meet. If we are paying attention. And that's what's happening right here. The people of Jesus, they're doing what they do on a regular basis. And they are interrupted slash invited To engage the brokenness of the world here. Peter, verse 4, looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Now, up until this point, Peter and John are having a regular, ordinary day. They are doing what they had done dozens and dozens of times before. They are doing what they'd always done with every possibility of missing this moment. They have every chance of missing this opportunity tucked away in their ordinary. They have every opportunity to miss this invitation that's disguised as an interruption if they aren't paying attention. And the reality is Peter and John had walked by this place and walked by this guy many times and had missed it All of those times before. But on this day, apparently the Holy Spirit does something in them. Um, And this time they stop and they see this broken man. And I believe that they stop and they see what Jesus sees when he looks at this broken man. Man, Maybe for the first time, they see what Jesus sees when he looks at this individual. They see his humanity. They see his helplessness. They see his need. They they see his vulnerability. They see his possibility. They see future. They see potential joy. They see this man. And uh we said this last week and I just wanna say it again. This is what we are hoping will happen for many of us. That no matter how many times we may have gone about our day and done what we normally did and just walked by these invitations disguised as interruptions, no matter how many times we may have walked by the vulnerable child crisis, that the spirit of the living God would stir something afresh in us and that this time we would stop and we would see. And this time we would see the way Jesus sees the vulnerable child crisis. At this time we would see what he sees when he looks at the Flight of the hopeless and helpless child and this time we might stop and we might see their humanity beyond the statistics That this time we might see their futures this time we might see their value we might see their brokenness we might see their potential we might see their Joy. Our prayer is that this time, the Spirit of God won't allow us to just walk on by and do what we've ordinarily done and miss these invitations and miss these opportunities that the Lord is laying in front of us. Because this time, by the Spirit's power, we are paying attention. But that's our hope. That 153 million orphans, we won't just be able to hear that the way we've always heard it. That 440,000 kids in a foster care system in this country, that we won't be able to hear that the way we've always heard it. That kids who are living in abusive situations in our own county, that we won't be able to hear that the way we've always heard it. But this time we would stop and we would see what Jesus sees when he looks at the plight of the homeless child or the refugee or the street kid fending for themselves. At this time, we would see heaven's beautiful invitation because we, the people of Jesus, are now meeting and confronting the brokenness of our world. Well, let's see what happens next. Verse five. So the man gave Peter and John his attention, expecting to get something from them. This guy has never had people stop and see him the way Peter and John see him. I mean, people walk by him all the time. I mean, he's an inconvenience. He's insignificant. He's, he's a nuisance. He's never experienced what he's experiencing with them. Their genuine care. And it, it sparks in him a level of understandable anticipation. This dude is like, cha-ching about to get paid by these guys who are on their way uh, to go and pray to their God. And yet he is setting himself up for some serious disappointment. Verse six, then Peter said, yeah, uh, thing is silver or gold, I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, sometimes we've just got to slow down and read the Bible in real time. Because I can't imagine... How many variations of emotions this guy experienced in a short window of time? He was like an enneagram four here for a hot minute. He experienced all manner of emotions. I'm just imagining here. Um... He goes from joy to anticipation to excitement to to dejection to anger to disappointment. And he experiences all of these really, 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 really quick. Wait, you care about me? Ooh, so sweet. I'm about to get paid. Woo, what's up? Wait, you have no money? Jerks. Get up and walk, oh, now that's just mean. Now that's mean. Matter of fact, that is the cruelest thing anyone has ever said or ever done in my entire life. Life, if you don't want to give me money, don't give me money. If you don't want to to give me some change, just walk by, go to your fancy prayer meetings. Everyone else walks by, I'm used to that. But come on, man, don't act like you care about me and then mock me with this cruelty by telling me to get up and walk. That's not cool, man. That's mean. All my life, for decades and decades and decades, all I dreamed about was maybe one day I'd be able to put one foot under my weight and it would hold all i dreamed about is the possibility of maybe taking one step one solitary step but listen i abandoned any hope of that ever happening for me i've embraced the fact that that is a possibility it is not in the cards for me and now come on man i'm just trying to survive if you don't want to give me change don't give me change but don't put those dreams back in my head come on that's not possible don't mock me keep moving i can't imagine What this would have been like for this guy. Like for real? That's what you're going to tell me? After all of that, get up and walk. By the way, there is something so sad about a life that resigns to its brokenness. This is how it's always been. This is how it will always be. Anything else is impossible. Now... I'm just trying to survive. But (laughs) this man's impossibility is about to run head on into in the name of Jesus. I'm just saying. Peter says in the name of Jesus. I love that phrase. In In the name of Jesus, Peter sees a new reality for this man. In the name of Jesus, Peter sees a better future for this man. In the name of Jesus, Peter sees new possibilities for this man. By the way, this phrase, in the name of Jesus, it's such a powerful, powerful phrase. Peter is saying, I am speaking as a representative of Jesus. I am speaking as a stand-in of Jesus. I am speaking what I believe Jesus would speak if he were standing here. In the name of Jesus. And I love that Peter is not speaking in the name of history. He's not putting his weight. He's not putting his focus on history. Peter doesn't care what's happened every single day up until this point. All he cares about is what is Jesus saying to you right now, regardless of history. Peter's not speaking in the name of reality. What things are possible, what things are not possible. He is speaking what he believes Jesus is saying to this man right now. He's not focusing on, well, this can't happen. It's never happened before. He's focusing on what is Jesus saying, because I don't know if you knew this, but whatever Jesus says becomes the new possibility, regardless of what history has said, regardless of what reality might speak. But Peter says in the name of Jesus. So let me pause and ask, by the way, um, unrelated question. What do you believe Jesus is saying to the vulnerable child whose history and reality has been helplessness? I'm just curious. What do you believe Jesus is saying to the vulnerable child whose reality is helplessness? I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, we live and we get to speak as his representatives in the name of Jesus. When we show up, we ought to show up seeing what Jesus sees and saying what Jesus says. And I'm curious to know, what do you believe Jesus sees and says when he sees 153 million orphans in our world? I'm just curious. What do you believe he sees and says to the kid who says, foster care is my reality, man. Don't mock me with any hope of possibility. They used to tell me that my parents are coming to get me, but I've given up on that hope. I'm just trying to survive right now. Don't put those dreams in my head. I wonder what you think Jesus is saying to those kids. Listen, we are just prone to fend for ourselves on the street. This is our new reality. We're just trying to survive. What do you think he's saying to the kids who go to school with your kids whose reality at home is an abusive situation? What is he seeing? What do you think he is saying? Ah, it is what it is. It's always been this way. In fact, the statistics seem to be growing. So you know what? We really can't do anything about this. Let's just let it be what it is. It's impossible for this situation to change. It's it's too impractical. The number is just way too great. I don't know about you, but I can't picture Jesus saying those words. I can't picture Jesus looking at the brokenness of the vulnerable child crisis and just saying, "Yeah, you know. Can you really change it, though? Impossible. Feel free, church, to just go to your prayer meetings. <laughs> I just can't picture him saying, The matter of fact, there's a, there's a chapter in Isaiah chapter 58 where the church shows up to pray, and God is like, get out of my presence, go help the hurting. Otherwise, we have very little to talk about. But I'm curious to know what what you envision Jesus speaking or saying. Because we would tend to see and speak what we believe Jesus sees and speaks. Oh, man. Um, Peter He he done it now. He he said in the name of Jesus on this one day and everything is about to change for this man. He is about to get introduced to a new reality. He's about to get introduced to some new possibility. Verse 7, look at this. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. By the way, I'm going to stay focused, but I love... That little phrase there, because I'm sure the guy's still on the ground like, you jerks. Like, I, I, I don't imagine this guy would have been, oh yeah, let me try this out. This walking thing. No, Peter had to be like, no dude, let me show you what this new reality can be for you. Let me show you what Jesus sees and what Jesus is saying, and he has to help him up. Otherwise, my guess is the guy may have just stayed down there. And instantly, I don't know what your Bible says. I don't know what it says up on the screen. But in my Bible, it says instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. I love that word instantly. That means right away. That means immediately. That means instantly. (laughs) I love the word instantly. I love that. Instantly just took impossibility out back. And had a very stern talking with impossibility at a bare minimum. I love that. Instantly, woo, his ankles became strong, and for the first time, they could hold his weight. Instantly, in the name of Jesus. I don't understand this and you know what i love peter doesn't understand this either he's freaking out as much as i'm freaking out and the guy he's freaking out because medically i mean how does someone who's never been able to put weight on their foot all of a sudden just stand instantly i don't get it but this definitely qualifies as one of those like god please put this on my heavenly netflix queue is netflix even a thing now that disney's out but whatever I, i i am i want to see this happening I think everyone is freaking out in the name of Jesus just reconstructed this man's bone structure instantly. Because I don't know if you knew, but when the people of Jesus agree with what Jesus says. Instantly starts to perform reconstructive surgery on impossibility and new realities come into play. I don't understand it. In the name of Jesus, when we agree with what Jesus has said about a situation, regardless of what history has said, regardless of what impossibility speaks, instantly shows up and says, oh, things are about to change now. Um, I bring that up because, unrelated, but if, um, if God commands us to care for the vulnerable child, when we accept and we step in in agreement with what he has said to us, impossibility has to bow. I don't know if you knew that. If we as the people of Jesus run into the brokenness of the vulnerable child crisis. And we agree with him when he says care for the vulnerable. When we step into those spaces in the name of Jesus. I don't know what was impossible before. But I know that things have to shift in agreement with what Jesus has. Spoken. New possibilities jump on the scene. <laughs> and men just talk to someone who has agreed to help a vulnerable child. And they will tell you, I don't know how it happened. Historically, our bank account was here. Ask somebody who's in the midst of the drama of caring for the vulnerable child. They were like, I can explain it. We don't know what happened. We showed up and we started to say yes. And we started to do and we started to speak what God said. And all of a sudden things around us started reconstructing. To enable this to happen in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Weird stuff like this. Verse 8. He jumped to his feet and began to walk what then he went to church with him he went into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising god how does someone who never stood a day in his life instantly learn how to walk no lessons no walkers ed no like walking license This dude just, he he just starts to walk. And I love this story because he gets so giddy. He starts to get a little greedy. And in a matter of seconds, he decides like walking is for suckers. And he starts jumping. My Bible says, didn't say he started, didn't say right there that he started Jumping. And praising God. Do you know how much practice that should take? Do you know how much therapy it should take for him to be able to do this? I have kids who are older than seven years old. And jumping is still a struggle. uh, As a matter of coordination. This guy. Instantly it says. He's hopscotching. He's dunking the basketball. In the name of Jesus. He is making up for lost time, boy. These feet were made for walking, and that's what they're going to do. Matter of fact, I'm going to jump on that too. Man, again, I don't know about you, but (laughs) I'm still curious to know. Like When you read a story like this, what expression do you picture on this guy's face? just curious to know from you what expression do you picture on this guy yeah me too i picture this pure and slightly naughty joy All over his face. You know that naughty joy like I feel like I'm getting away with something I shouldn't be doing. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know all about that naughty joy. Like my chains got broken and I got set free. And all of a sudden I'm doing things I shouldn't be able to do right now but for grace. This guy has that naughty joy all over his face. This is such a great, great story. The miracle of his healing. Um, I wonder if uh, Peter and John aren't like, dude, why didn't we stop and see sooner? Why, why did we walk by so many times? We could have been caught in the middle of these miracle stories maybe more than we possibly imagined. Uh, I bring that up, <clears throat> unrelated, um, because we are believing God wants this movement called Mission Point to be caught up in miracle stories just like this one in 2020. Matter of fact, we believe <clears throat> God wants us to be more than caught up in miracle stories like this in 2020. We believe God wants us to be the miracle in stories like this in 2020. More than that, I believe God wants us to be the miracle in the story of a vulnerable child. In 2020, now I don't know everybody super well. You may have better things to do, you you may be busy. But if you aren't too busy, might you consider stopping, seeing, and entering in to be the miracle For a vulnerable child in 2020, might you consider the invitation to step through these gates called beautiful and to be the difference, now um, the next part will be disappointing to some of you and maybe relieving to others but I trust it will be inviting to all of us, because um, here's the thing I think we forget about about miracles, and and here's the thing I think we forget about the miracle even in this um, particular story. In fact, go will put it up on the screen. A miracle is simply an impossibility becoming a reality. That that's that's a miracle. It's an impossibility. Becoming a reality. And in this story, the miracle was that something was done for this man that was impossible for him to do for himself in the name of Jesus. There is nothing I could have done to to make this situation happen. And yet, it happened. It's a miracle. Nothing I could have done to reverse this brokenness. And yet here I am standing and walking and come on house of pain. I'm jumping around. This is a miracle. But here's, here's the disappointing part. And I'm sorry. I feel like I'm pulling back the veil on church secrets. And now I feel like I'm pulling back the veil on, on, on biblical miracles um, to some degree. But um Many of the miracles that we see in this book, hold your breath, are actually pretty explainable today. I know, I know. I feel bad saying it. Um, I, re- I really do feel bad uh, saying it. But um, many of the miracles that happen in Bible days would be... Just medical procedures today. I'm sorry I feel like the Easter Bunny and, and hey Santa Claus. And by the way, Easter Bunny and Santa Claus or whatever your parents say they are. But I'm just like this. Mm. At one time, uh, Peter's mother-in-law had severe fever. Jesus healed her. It was miraculous. I'm like a miracle or some pills from Walgreens. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, I, I, hate, I hate to do this, but there was one time there was a woman with, with an issue of blood that couldn't be resolved. She got healed up, it was a miracle. Yeah. For us, that's a surgical procedure. Uh, 20 years ago, um, I, was, I never thought I'd be that guy 20 years ago when I was young, but I was reading something in, I think it was Revelation chapter 11. It, it was talking about the end times. You know, saying in the end times, there'll be this scenario in which two of God's prophets are going to be, a little graphic I know, they're going to be killed in the streets by the Antichrist. And the Bible says that the whole world, Will be watching this simultaneously. I read that, and I'm like, that's impossible! That would be a miracle! Otherwise known as Facebook Live. I couldn't have seen it, that, that's like, no way that. that's a miracle. Now, don't get me wrong. Most of the miracles of the Bible are spectacular and they're unexplainable. But even if we were able to explain them, it doesn't change the point that the power in the miracle was that something impossible for that person became possible for them. (laughs) Man, in my spare time, these are the kinds of things I think about. But I was just thinking about like, man, if if I could... Take me and, and travel back in time into the Bible days, I would be a God man. I would be freaking people out with the miraculous. I'd be like, What's up, Paul? Hey, Amen. I want to have a quick chat with um, Timothy via FaceTime. He's in another country right now. Pulling up, it—that's impossible. I'm like, maybe for you. For me, it's a data plan, man. I would do some weird stuff, like, hey, uh, hey, disciples, come on, man, let's go. Why don't you save yourselves two days worth of wear on your feet, and let's see if we can't get to Jerusalem in 45 minutes. That's impossible. No, man, it's a. It's a 12-passenger van. I rented this thing from Avis. (laughs) That's not possible. I'm just saying. (laughs) I would be like a god, man. I'd be like Blackulus. I'd show up like they would carry me. Um, All right, that's weird, man. Um, I'd have so much fun with it. Oh, hold up, guys. Um, Let me turn on the lights. (laughs) It's a miracle. Let there be light. Oh, you know, no, it's, just, it's just a Nipsco bill, man. That's all it is. The point and power in the miracle was that it did for the person what they could not have done for themselves. And I'm just saying that I believe God is calling us to be the miracle for a vulnerable child. In 2020. I'm just, I'm just saying. Do something. For that child. That that child cannot do. For herself. Be the miracle. Because I don't know if you knew this. But you're like a god. In the world of a vulnerable child. Impossible. A family of my own? Impossible. Oh, maybe for you, but for us, it's a sacrifice. Impossible that somebody would help get me out of this abusive situation? Impossible, maybe for you. But for us, it's a phone call. If we care enough to stop and see, help make an impossibility a reality for vulnerable kids' joy in 2020. Be the miracle in the name of Jesus. Freak them out. No way, that's not possible. Yeah. When the people of Jesus show up in your brokenness in the name of Jesus, we can do some things. Maybe impossible for you. But obedience for us. I don't know if you knew, but you have the resources of a God. You can do things in the life of a kid in the developing world that they do not think is possible. Mike and Myra, we can't do anything about the medical plight of our children. Well, we might just come over there and uh, build a medical facility and provide health care for your kids. Impossible, maybe for you. Now, our kids are dying because there's no clean water in these villages. It's impossible to find clean water here, maybe for you. But for a bunch of us nerdy engineers with design outreach we will make water come up out of the ground it's a miracle now we're just super smart we just know how to do things the resources we have to be the miracle to bring reality where all a vulnerable kid sees is impossibility this room is full of miracles if <laughs> we would stop And see. And our dream is that, man, 2020, we would just step into these broken places in the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, we would speak hope and and safety and life and naughty joy. To kids who may be experiencing. Helplessness. And it's not that complicated, by the way. It's really simple. In fact, the template is is laid out right here in verse 6. It says, then Peter, he said, silver or gold, I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. And that's what sparked the miracle. <laughs> it says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Walk. And all of us cheer and we freak out on the walk part. But I'm like, nah, it was much simpler than that. Do you know why this man walked? He walked because Peter was broke. Because Peter had no money. My suspicion is if Peter had some money, he might have considered helping this man in his brokenness. But he didn't have money. Like, I'm sorry, man, I don't have silver or gold. So I'm, I'm, I apologize, but I'm going to give you what I have, which is the belief that Jesus is speaking a new future and a new possibility for you. So in his name, walk. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm guessing two days later, that guy was like, man, thank you uh, for not having money. And the other thing you did was really cool. Here's a question. What do you have? This is the question for 2020. What do you have that can make impossibility a reality for a hurting kid? And I've got to say this. Please forget what you do not have. Heaven doesn't care what you don't have. History is not going to judge us on the basis of what we didn't have. I think some of us, we decide, well, I can't afford adoption. I don't have that kind of money. So I'm out. I'm not going to do anything. I'm like, wait a oh, Before you keep walking, what do you have, though? Because you'd be surprised what God can actually do the miraculous with. What, what do you have? Do you have education? Can you maybe tutor an academically vulnerable child in our community? You know, I actually do have that. The question isn't what you don't have. The question is what you, you do have. Come on, you're a college student. You're trying to pay for college right now. You can't afford to fund adoptions. You can't afford to even support some of our mission partners. Some of you can. But most of you, you can't do that. Well, I'm sorry. I I can't afford anything, so I'm just going to go ahead and move on. No, 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 wait a minute. Before you do, what do you have? Do you have margin? To come alongside one of our adoptive families and say, we are going to be an army for you. What can we do? Can we shop? Can we go grocery shopping for you? Matter of fact, we can do it right here on our computers. We can order some things. What do you need? Can we come rake some leaves? What can, we, can, can we even get a little bit of training so we can help watch your kids? What do you have? I don't have a passion for kids. I don't like them. I'm allergic to them. All right. Well, we, we can talk about that later, but in the meantime, what do you have? Do you have administrative gifts? Yes, I actually do. Strong administrative gifts. Like that's awesome. Have you considered that you could use your administrative gifts to maybe help some of the families in the process of adoption or, or maybe doing stuff with foster care with all the paperwork? Because it can be encumbering. And sometimes, you do know, families with passion for adoption and for kids, they struggle with the paperwork part of it. And so they're still waiting six years later because they keep getting the paperwork sent back. Like, please spell your name correctly, John. You know, um, You could actually help be the miracle in the story of a kid by using your administrative gifts. The question is, what do you have? Some of us decide we don't have room in our home to bring in another child, but we do have money. So man, can we support uh, three strands? And what they're doing, can we support design outreach and what they're doing? Can we support some of our mission partners who are on the front lines helping the vulnerable child? Whatever it is, we want to give what we have. Being the miracle in 2020 is going to be about you committing to giving what you do have that a vulnerable child does not have. And that thing that you may despise as not much is a miracle in the world of a vulnerable kid somewhere. And the miracle begins when what I have is given to speak to what that child does not have. The question is, what do you have? And the question is, what can you do? Um, We focus so much on what we cannot do and what gifts we don't have and what we don't feel called to do. And so we do nothing. I'm just telling you, the genuine Faith is the faith that cares for the vulnerable child. Doing nothing is not an option. The dream of this church is that we would be a movement in which everybody who considers this place home is doing something to help a vulnerable child, and that we would be able to run into each other in the hallway and say, "What are you doing man i 'm doing some administration i 'm um, doing some bookkeeping to actually help um, with this organization well <laughs> I didn't know how good I was at raking, but I'm a raker, man. Um, and I've been doing some raking for a family that's on the front lines of doing this. And man, together, this village is going after the vulnerable child. What can you do? I love the fact that there's actually an engineer group that meets here at Mission Point to help serve design outreach. And they're kind of thinking through new technologies and better ways to make impossibilities possibilities in the developing world. And they meet, and that's what they're doing for the vulnerable child, using their engineering. It should never be said, I'm sorry, all I can do is engineering stuff. You'd be amazed what God would do in the life of a vulnerable child if you're willing to bring it. I can't adopt, but I can do foster care. I can not do foster care, but I can get some training to be a respite family and help foster care families so they can continue to be healthy and to be whole. I can take trips to provide medical care for vulnerable kids and bring practices there and train people there who could never do that for themselves. Being the miracle for a vulnerable child means I refuse to do nothing. And I believe God is inviting each of us to be the miracle in the story of a vulnerable child, to make reality what they experience as an impossibility. And the miracle happens, I think, in that place where what I have meets what they don't. <clears throat> happens in that place where what I can do meets what they cannot do for themselves to me it's a choice to them it's an impossibility on your way in, you should have received a card uh that looks just like this one team you guys can come on out we're gonna sing one more song we are asking you to prayerfully consider over the next week what is something you can do what is something you have that you can give And we as a church are committed to connecting what you can do and what you do have to places that serve vulnerable kids. That's part of why we have mission partners, because those are organizations that are doing great work on the front lines with vulnerable kids. And so we're saying to you, please, if you tell us I am willing to do something. We will help connect you. So we're asking you to pray. What is it that you can do? It At the bottom of this, by the way, there's some of you who are doing things we've never even thought about. And we would love for you to share what is the way that you are being the miracle in, in, in the lives of vulnerable kids. We would love to know that as a church family, by the way. Um, And most of the best ideas for caring for the vulnerable child here at Mission Point started because somebody said, guess what I'm doing? And we're like, ah, we've got to all get in on that. That's such a great idea. So please let us know what you're doing. But check this out. Some of you can adopt. Some of you like I can't adopt. Some of you can adopt, but you're saying you can't adopt. Listen to what the spirit might be saying to you. Peter said, I don't have silver and gold because he literally didn't have it. Not because he didn't want to give it. There's a difference. And for some of us, we need to pray, okay, what can I do? Not what's the bare minimum I can do. But what's the thing that the Lord may be calling us to do? Um, And then right below, adopt is make meals. Some of you are like, I can't do much, but that I can do. We would tell you, man. Here's some families. Would you be willing to help with this? And we'll connect you to where you can serve in that regard. Or purchase items on MP Family Amazon registries. Because some of you have the gift of Amazoning. Just say, um, provide respite care. Maybe get a little bit of training and be. Hey, you can send your kids to my home. You know, maybe a couple of weekends every now and then, so that you can experience a little bit of. Refreshing financially support an MP family through their adoption, or be a child advocate, or financially sponsor a child, or give to one of our organization or our ministry partners um, that aids vulnerable children. Do yard work there's that raker, this is your calling right here. Um, or come on, Marie Kondo, uh, you can clean um, for, for some folks. Provide child care during a one-such-child meeting, like we have tonight. It requires. Um, help watching kids. Pray for adoptive family, foster families. Weekly, there are so many things that you can do. But what we cannot do is nothing, because we all have something that we can give if we are willing to. Give. And then next week, we're going to take some time. And if you say we've prayed about it and we feel like we can do this and this is what we're willing to do, then there'll be folks to kind of talk to you and say, well, here's some options. Here's some kids you can sponsor. We have some kids in Zambia that you can sponsor. We have some kids over here that you can sponsor and we'll help connect you so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that in 2020 you are being the miracle in the life of vulnerable child. And let me just say this before I get up out of here. I am believing for your family. I'm believing for you as an individual. I'm believing for myself that as we choose to be the miracle in 2020, we will start to see the miracles in 2020 not because God owes us not because God's going to do something but I believe that God in his generosity is going to start doing things that are impossible for us because we tend to say do the impossible for me and God is like you first and as we start to step into those spaces to be the miracle I believe some of us are going to start to see the miracle if nothing else based on the principle that no one can outgive God and I believe no one can out miracle God I dare you to try Woo! so we're just already claiming 2020 as the year of the miracle as it starts with us so come back next week and just your line in the sand this is what we're willing to do or this is what we are doing already so that we can know man we are living out the heart of god to care for the vulnerable child amen Father, I pray that you'd move. Spirit, I pray that you would stir in hearts. Allowing us to maybe go further than we thought. As you maybe point out that things that we do have that can help. Thank you for the privilege of joining you. In your heartbeat for the vulnerable child. Thank you, Jesus. That you gave your life. And you went to the cross. In order to rescue our vulnerable. orphans state and make us a part of your family help us to carry your legacy forward into our world it's in your name we pray amen